Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> that is a double layer joke, which you may or may not understand later on in this episode as it unravels and twists and turns. It is me, Isabella Frappier. If you can't tell by my accent already, I am here to do my solo episode with you. If you haven't heard my solo episode from last season, I encourage you to check it out. It is on stress and the nervous system and how that affects sex. So I would say it's never been more relevant than right now. So this is my second time doing a solo episode and I feel sometimes a little bit silly doing them like I'm just sitting in my office talking to myself because I totally am. So I am going to be pretending that you all are right here and I'm just talking to you live, like we're just doing a circle or a workshop and having a chat. So saying all that, I hope you'll understand if I mumble or slip over my words or cough or something silly. Um, I, yeah, as I said, I feel a little bit shy doing these. So I'm just going to talk about what's on my heart and I hope you all will find it interesting and helpful and your hearts will be open to me as you're listening and we can have that beautiful internet connection and that you will understand if I get a little silly on this one because I do feel goofy talking to myself. I miss my beautiful co-hosts. So today I wanted to talk to you about the power of reclamation. Reclamation is something that is super important to me, a concept that I've been really working through and exploring for a long time. To me, reclamation means being able to reclaim and take back different words, tools, techniques, aspects that have been negatively used in the past, whether that's specifically against me or people. And it's really, really important part of my practice. I definitely, I definitely started like most witches do, really unsure of who I was as a witch and to be honest, as a person, because I was really, really young when I first discovered witchcraft. I remember my first real experience was getting a book from the library and I can't remember exactly what book it was anymore, but it was something like, 101 spells for the modern witch or something like this and I was so fascinated with it I had heard about witches in folklore and mythology that I'd read as a young person and I had felt really really cold to them and it was so wonderful to really read all the spells I think I read the book cover to cover and I tried practicing some if you read any of my journal entries from that time they're really amazing and embarrassing and I think I end most of my entries for at least a year by saying something along the lines of, I'm pretty sure I'm a witch. That's the first one. And then it will say, oh, now I'm very sure. And I tried different things that I would never do now, like putting hexes and curses on people. 
I, again, I was probably at oldest, maybe nine, nine or 10. And they worked, which, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But you'd see in my diary, I'd say, oh, I put a curse on this person that was rude to me or whatever. And then the next day or a couple of days later in my diary, I'd say, oh, that person's home from school, sick. So I don't know, for better or worse, that was what it was. But I now don't practice any magic on someone else, only magic on myself. And I work with what I ask the universe to only work with what is of my highest potential and what would be best for everyone involved try to succumb and surrender more so than succumb surrender to the will of the universe and the divine goddesses that I work with so that was like my introduction to magic so it's very generic I'll say now this was in hmm probably like 1998 1999 so like in the late 90s um we did probably have internet but I don't think I had much. Oh, yeah, I'm remembering which house I lived in at this time. So we did have internet and it was like a real slow dial up. And I don't know if any of our listeners remember where sort of each page loads centimeter by centimeter so slowly. So I certainly wasn't using it very often <laughs> and didn't have access to any sort of online resources to do with witchcraft. So I, all I had was library books and I really voraciously read them but what I understand now and what I see a lot of now and I want to talk about this a little bit in this episode is witch hype so one of the things that young folks now discovering witchcraft live in is is the time of witch hype uh which is I don't know if I've made up that term or I've heard it from someone else so I'm sure I've heard it from someone else and if one of our listeners knows feel free to message me on Instagram let me know so I can give credit where credit's due. But what I really mean is, you know, you can go into a store, you can't right now, pandemic, but you, normally you can go into a store and there'll even be like little DIY magic kits and InstaWitch and the Sage and Palo Santo that you can buy, lots of crystals. And I feel really, really mixed about this because on the one hand, I feel really, really glad that witchcraft is something that is definitely coming if not already into the mainstream that's awesome because I want young folks to feel really empowered and feel really magical and be able to connect with that but <laughs> or yes and I should say more correctly yes and I also think it's well on one hand it's environmentally dangerous because capitalism is mining sometimes literally and figuratively the environment and certain cultures for these resources and I will say you know I'm a person that is white and a witch so I'm not a white witch because I don't ascribe to the ideas of white witchcraft and dark witchcraft I think the ideas are inherently racist but that's a whole separate podcast for another day but I'm saying as a white woman who is a witch a lot of the tools that you'll find in in those shops where you can just buy those instant kits they are not tools of your witch ancestors they are tools from other cultures and they are being over harvested over farmed particularly plants like palo santo white sage uh, even sweetgrass there, there are plenty and 
if you follow me on Instagram, you might be thinking, wait, what a second. What do you mean, Isabella? Hold up. I've seen you use white sage. Yes, I do. I use white sage because the home that I live in, the land that I'm lucky to tend, has a beautiful white sage plant on it, which I really lovingly tend and I share the plant with my loved ones in my community. So that's a, pl- a plant that I do use because I feel really connected to her, to that plant. But more often I use plants that are specific to my lineage, my Celtic ancestors. And I really urge you, I'm going to talk about this a bit later, but I really urge you to look up what your ancestors used in their witchcraft. And I'm not just meaning particular plants, though definitely do that, but look at what spells did they do? What was... What were some of their food rituals? Did they have certain things they did on different holidays and Sabbaths? So really being able to connect in with what your ancestors used and use that, use those practices. One of the things I've been really enjoying lately is trying to teach myself Irish Gaelic. And I've also been learning how to write Orchum, which is the traditional original language of the Celtic people that was derived as a tree-based language. So each of the letters has a different tree that it represents. So for me, that really, really nourishes me and fills up my cup and it just feels just wonderful and magical and amazing. And I feel connected with my ancestors when I write those words in Orkham and I feel connected to myself, which is much more powerful than just following a spell that you got from, I don't know, H&M witch kit. I'm not... (laughs) I was about to say, I'm not dissing H&M, but actually fuck H&M. I am dissing them. They uh, they use really bad unethical practices. Anyway, I could do a whole podcast just yelling about that. So really researching and finding out what your specific ancestors did as part of their magic and really incorporating that in your own personal practice. Now, this doesn't just have to be specific spells and plants and crystals and stuff like that though I would encourage you to do that but also learning like what did they do on the holidays what types of meals did they cook did they have any traditions around you know maybe marriage bonding did they have traditions about like blessing your home and different protection spells that you couldn't do now this work is going to be way more powerful than if you just buy a kit and use it. And it's really, it's hard, it's a hard balance for me, honestly, because I do feel really grateful that that it is something that is in the mainstream because I want those people to feel, those young people and I guess people of all ages that are learning about witchcraft to feel empowered and to feel inspired. And it's never lost on me when I see that, that those types of tools and shops and when I see people post on Instagram that you know my ancestors very likely were burned at the stake for these same practices and now we're able to freely talk about them and sell products to do with them so that's why it's such a big yes and for me there's not an easy answer for me but the reason I'm talking about this is yes I want you to feel really connected to your specific ancestral magic but I also think it's really important that we look at social, environmental, and cultural practices as being in deep authenticity 
and alignment with our values so that we aren't appropriating a culture, appropriating a certain type of witchcraft, appropriating something that's just not of us and also that we're not negatively impacting plants and the environment as a result of this because it's great that people are wanting to clear their energy field but if you're buying white sage that's not ethically sourced and harvested you're really doing a disservice to the environment and and to me taking care of the environment is a really big part of being a witch you know my dear friend Gabby Hurstick was posting the other day on Instagram saying the political is spiritual and the spiritual is political. And I really feel that. And to me, when I, when I say and think political, that it also extends to the politics of how we care for Mother Earth or Lover Earth, as I prefer to say. And I just want to add that even if you can find ethically sourced and harvested plants like white sage and Palo Santo, question within yourself if if this is even an authentic plant for you to be using if it's not of your lineage. And I want to say all of this. I want to presence everything I said. And I should have said this in advance, but oh well, I'm saying it now. I'm a deeply imperfect person and I'm a deeply imperfect witch. And we can only do better when we know better. And I'm constantly learning the areas where I can do better and then trying to implement them and do those changes. And when I first learned about the over-harvesting of white sage and palisanto, what I did was I pivoted and I tried to find plants that were ethically sourced and harvested, and I bought those. Then later on down the road, I became more aware of the cultural and social issue of a white person like myself using white sage and palisanto plants that aren't of my ancestors, and I stopped buying them. I then also moved into a home that happened to have a white sage plant and tending to her became a really beautiful, collaborative and loving relationship. And then I wanted to use that plant again and I do use it from my garden. Now, if I moved house or when I move house, I probably won't continue to use it. I would be curious to see if there's a way I can propagate it. But all of that aside, all I'm really saying is If you're hearing this and you're feeling a bit challenged and confronted by anything I'm saying, I want you to know that I deeply love you with my entire heart and I know that you're a good person and you want to do good in this world. And as you learn and integrate more information, you will seek and desire to make changes and do better. As we all continue to grow and learn together, And really, I say all of this in terms of navigating your magic practice during witch hype, navigating your magic practice as you're learning about ancestral magic to help you feel more connected and grounded in your own magical practice and also to help you be a person that creates beautiful change and does wonderful things on this earth. Because I think as witches, we are healers and we have a responsibility, in my mind at least, to, to really do good and try to do better all the time. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> and uh, fuck capitalism. So the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, about my relationship to reclamation, and this is maybe feeling like a little bit of a tangent for some folks, and I apologize if it does feel that way, but 
there's so many different aspects of reclamation that are important to me. And this is the sex magic podcast where, you know, we always say we talk about sex, magic, and the intersection of the two and everything in between. So this one that I want to talk about briefly is a little bit more on the sex side rather than the sex magic side, but don't worry, bear with me. I promise I'll loop it all together. So I am a queer woman and I really consciously identify with the word queer, presencing the pain and suffering that different folks in their community have endured over the years and presencing that there will be people and I know there are people that don't like queer people using that term still and I understand that and I have a lot of space and empathy for that and I'm also I like this label for myself and I'm also not overly attached to it I'm happy to just navigate how my own relationship to my sexuality changes over the years, but I've always been a really deeply weird person, I guess, and I've heard that a lot in my life. Oh, Bella, you're so weird, or you think too much, you talk about sex too much, all of this kind of stuff, and part of my sexual journey, at first I thought I was bi, and then that didn't really quite fit me, and when I really heard and started researching I really started researching about the LGBTQIA plus community when I was maybe 16, 15, 16, when I was navigating this. And I learned about the word queer and a little bit about the history of the word queer. And I'm sure there's a lot more history I don't have and I don't know and I'm ignorant too. So I just want to presence that as well. But it really, really resonated with me as someone that has essentially been called that in so many different ways and different words. So I really, really like that term. You know, I'm also a poly-relating person. I don't really practice or believe in monogamy for myself. And I just feel like such a queer person in every expression of that. And it feels good to me to show up and to claim that for myself. And as someone that has experienced, you know, like bullying and some stuff over the years, it feels nice for me to have a label that takes charge of that aspect of my personality. I'm a very open, <laughs> communicative and transparent person. You know, if you follow me on Instagram or social media, you probably know a lot about me already. And I don't have a lot of filters and that feels good to me. It feels good to me to live my life really out loud, you know, and not be not be ashamed of who I am. And and I will say that's a really constant process for me. It really is. You know, there were definitely many years I went in my life not wanting to say I was a witch. And it's no small thing for anyone to come out about any aspect of themselves. I heard uh, one of my clients said to me, I'm coming out of the broom closet on Instagram. And that made me so happy, that expression. But It's no small thing for any of us to come out about different aspects of ourselves. And as someone like myself who feels that I have a lot of uh, privilege by chance, I would say, you know, like I'm just, I'm, I'm privileged to have been born in the body that I am, which is a white, thin, 
somewhat cisgender body. I'm not entirely cisgendered, but for all, for most intents and purposes and passing privileges that I have, it's really important for me to be someone that can speak up about who I am and be really open about that because I, I have not forgotten the importance of that when I was a young woman and looking up and trying to find role models and, and struggling to do so. So for me, reclamation has been so important. Like there's nothing you can say about me that I don't already say about myself. And that, that feels good to me. And that feels really magical and really powerful. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. So there are a lot of different types of witches, right? We have green witches, kitchen witches. We have so many different types of witches. And part of reclamation and part of finding your own voice, finding your own magical voice, I'll say, is figuring out what really calls to you. So I urge you, beautiful witches and wizards and spiritual folks, however you identify, who are navigating their magical practice, whether it's for the first time and you're discovering your magic and you're exploring that, or maybe you've identified with it for a long time and you're still just in this constant process, like I feel, of re-navigating and exploring and figuring out who I am. I'm, I always try to be in questioning relationship to myself. I urge you to really explore what feels good to you and what calls to you. And yeah, research your ancestors and see if you can find out what their practices were. And ancestors doesn't always have to be, you know, your great, 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 great grandfather. For me, my mother is a psychic medium and she works with tarot. So my entire life, I've always been around someone who spoke to dead people and channeled and used tarot cards. That's, that's stuff I've been exposed to my whole life. So I'm really lucky that as I was navigating my little witch self, I had someone that, you know, I could ask some of my questions and I could see a strong woman that used these tools and found them helpful in her own life. So for me, tarot is something I really strongly identify with and I use a lot in my personal and professional life. I am somewhat later in the game to crystals and definitely shout out to Shady for inspiring and creating more love of crystals in my life. And shout out to Tosca while I'm at it for inspiring a, a real renaissance in my love for plants. I think uh, plant magic was kind of my first magic. A lot of us, I'm sure listening, did the same stuff as me where you'd get flowers and sticks and maybe a couple of little dead bugs that you found and mix them all together in a cauldron in your backyard you'd that was really the first magic I ever created. And I also studied naturopathy back in Australia where I grew up. So I was always very interested in plants, but I didn't really integrate them magically until much later in life. And Tosca certainly inspired a lot of that for me. I've also been a little later in life, maybe, than some folks interested in astrology. And that's that's another framework and tool that I've used a lot in my magical practice. 
On the more sexual front, some other frameworks and tools that I've found helpful is The Erotic Blueprints by Miss Jaya. And we have an episode, I'm not sure exactly when mine will air, but I think it probably will have been out already. And if you didn't listen to it, go back and have a listen with uh, Ian, Jaya's partner in life and in career, who's an incredible human being, if you want to learn a little bit more about that. And for me, being able to reclaim my relationship to my sexuality through kink has been really, really transformative, but certainly not linear and not finite. It's something that I'm constantly navigating. For real, I mean, even just this morning, I was uh, doing therapy, a little remote therapy, a little Skype therapy, and uh, I was talking to my therapist about how I still struggle to fully claim my kinks. And that's that's some real reclamation work that I have to do. That's some shadow and integration work that I still have to do. Part of why I find reclamation so important is because I feel that we're each born completely whole and magical and full of light and love and wonder and joy and just really perfect and whole when we're born and when we're very young. And then over time, People say things, do things. We get in pressures from society and our culture that causes us to disown parts of ourselves, splinter them off. And I really feel like that's what makes a lot of our shadow selves. So there's a really big, important piece here in reclaiming those parts of ourselves that we split off and saying, hey, I see you. I see you in the dark. I see you feeling twisted and feeling broken and needing love, needing that light to pour on you so that you're not feeling like this uh, phantom of the opera (laughs) anymore. And being able to reclaim that part, those, those shadow parts of yourself, to me, a big part of it is being open. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I see that as a privilege that I have, but also responsibility that I have within that privilege. That I know if I can say, hey, I'm a queer kinky person and here's how I practice those things, that there are young folks that can see that and think, oh shit, that's a reality. That's something I can do. Damn, I want to do that too, you know? So for me, this feels my openness feels like a privilege and responsibility, or or perhaps I could more accurately say accurately say a privilege leading to a responsibility. But maybe for you, being very out and open is not a part of your practice. And that's totally fine. You should be wherever you're at with yourself, but you can reclaim those parts of yourself without posting a Facebook status about it or, you know, jumping on Instagram to tell a everybody about it and for sure do those things if you feel safe and resourced and comfortable too i think that is a big part of what we can do to help positively impact the world but you don't have to be out to do this work and it's such a simple and perhaps underutilized tool but i really really recommend journaling really sit down with all of your dark or shadow aspects hey actually maybe don't sit down with all of them maybe make one at a time you know i'm a Scorpio rising and I'm a very intense person. So I'll, I'll go there with you. I'll do a hundred at once, but maybe just pick one and titrate your nervous system to take on a little at a time, but 
write down something on a piece of paper that you find challenging about yourself, something that you're ashamed of, or something that you don't know how to look at, something that you feel out of control of, or even just something you want to explore, you know? And then just freeform journal and see what comes up. What, what parts of yourself got splintered off? What age was that at? What type of love do they need to heal? How can you integrate those, those aspects into your regular daily life and be able to see them with so much love? And really part of what I'm getting to here, in I guess my own roundabout rambly way, is that through the work of reclamation, I really believe that we can create an authentic self-love and self-care practice through the magic of reclamation. When we can really deeply look at these parts of ourselves and these parts of our practices, our magical practices, and we can heal them and claim them, bring them into the light and say, hey, I'm a flawed and beautiful human being and I'm growing and I'm ever-changing and I'm multidimensional and multifaceted and here's what I'm working on. There's immense, immense power in that. It also looping back again to what I was mentioning earlier about capitalism, when you're so rooted in yourself, when you're doing this work of reclamation, you get really rooted and really grounded in yourself. And let's say you've been exploring your ancestors and for you, you're realizing, I'm going to just use my own life for examples because I think that's (laughs) helpful to be more tangible. I can get a little uh, rambly and esoteric. But okay, so let's talk about my own life. Something that I love to do for self-care is study Irish Gaelic. I do that for free. I use an app for it. And I read blogs for it. And writing in Orm, that is a beautiful part of my self-care practice. Those things are free. They don't cost me anything. They don't negatively impact the world. Those are beautiful practices for me. I learned them through researching my ancestors. Other authentic practices that I love for my self-care are taking ritual baths where I use crystals and plants, especially plants that my ancestors used in Ireland. And I make beautiful herbal infusions and I strain them into the bath and I drink the infusions too. And I go on this beautiful plant medicine journey with myself. I guess that's not free because I can't harvest all of those plants. You know, I often buy them and I buy them ethically. But, you know, part of what I'm saying is self-care doesn't have to be, people always say like, oh, self-care, it shouldn't be all like bubble baths and stuff. And like, yeah, I'm with you. But maybe it's for you, it's ritual baths. It's something that is, or, you know, learning Celtic or connecting with the music of your ancestors through dance. It's something that feels authentic to you and is also connecting you back and back more deeply with your authentic self. So you're feeling really rooted and really grounded and you can do more for the world. I could go on a whole tangent about that right now. Of uh, how challenging it can feel to prioritize yourself when you're also wanting to do so much for the world and for your community. But I remind you as always of how important it is to be very grounded and resourced within yourself so that you can do that big work. It's very, very important. It's important to find your own way and your own voice in the magical 
I was going to say community, but, but not even in the magic community, just like in your relationship to your magic. And I think it's funny because, you know, I mentioned in the beginning of this episode that my first experiences with magic was with through a, a book that was very much just formulaic spells that I followed and tried. And now that feels so far from how I identify with my magical practice, which is, I would say, 90% intuition and then 10% books from people that I really love and admire. And maybe I'll put a couple of books in my show notes today from folks that I really love uh, that might help. But part of this whole thing of, of even me saying that, oh, I'll put some books in the show notes. It's like saying that, you know, my path is the right one for you. And I don't think that's true. I think your path is the right one for you. So whenever people message me on Instagram or email me, ask me questions, a lot of the time you'll find me saying, I think it'd be really beautiful for you to research this so that you can come to your own conclusions because that's how I spend my time is in constant questioning and research and wanting to learn more and go deeper. Um, I believe the phrase is autodidact. I could be wrong about that, but like someone who likes self-education, this is what I'm interested in. And when you engage with yourself in relationship to your curiosity, that's where the fucking magic is, my babies. That's what the magic is because you can really learn how to craft your own spells. Like go back to that version of you that made their (laughs) their garden cauldron full of weeds and flowers and dead butterflies or whatever the version of that was for you where you knew you were making magic. You didn't need books to tell you that this was magic. You were just making it yourself and loving it and you were in relationship to pleasure and sovereignty because you didn't know any better. You hadn't had fucking capitalism, racism, the patriarchy raining down on you every year telling you that you shouldn't be doing things like this or you shouldn't be doing things a certain type of way. And the more you can dig into what is authentic to you, you can be so grounded in that practice. And it's going to be it's going to juice you up in self-love and it's going to be part of your self-care because it feels nourishing to you. It fills up your cup. And then once your cup is full, if you, you know what happens when you fill up your cup? If you keep filling it instead of pouring it out to people, all of a sudden you have all this overflow that you can share with your loved ones and your community instead of constantly filling yourself up and then pouring it back out. Now I sound like I'm on my previous solo episode about uh, <laughs> stress and sex, but you know, I think it bears repeating. Well, I could, I could be talking about this all day, but I don't want to overwhelm you. And I certainly don't want to just be rambling in your ear all day, but I hope that what I've said has resonated with you in some way, shape or form and has sparked a little bit of excitement and curiosity to learn about more about your ancestors and what their practices were and and then explore what feels aligned for you. How can you integrate them into your life? And how might that feel really connected and help you be in your flow so that you can have an authentic, intuitive witchcraft practice that really resonates with you and that isn't mirroring someone else's too much. And you can come into that place of pure, authentic self-love and joyous reclamation of your shadow selves and all of your curiosity and just pure acceptance and joy 
at the core of who you are because there is no one else quite like you. There is absolutely no one else quite like you. And that's a fucking beautiful thing. So let's work together because I'm God damn it still on this road with you all. But let's work together to figure out how we can do this work and how we can raise our voices and make positive change and really claim who we are in this world. I love you. Oh, you know what? Before I close this out, I realized in my last solo episode when I was listening back to it, that whenever we interview guests, we always say like, what advice would you give to your younger self? And so I I forgot that I was going to think about this, but uh, I'll spitball it for you on the fly. Um, I'm wondering what advice I would give to myself, my younger self, on reclamation. I think what's coming up for me most prevalently right now is to not let other people tell me who I am and to remember that when they do that, what they're really doing is seeing me as a mirror for what they're working on and that I should love them and listen to them. And yeah, sure, maybe churn their words through my own framework and and see if there's anything that's in authenticity from me. But ultimately to really practice connecting with myself as the highest authority on myself, because that's something I've really, really struggled with over the years. That's something I still struggle with now. And that's what I would say to my younger self. Remember who you are and develop consistent practices so that you can stay grounded in that and keep reminding yourself of that. And fuck, be a shameless little bitch who just is who she is and don't have guilt for who you are and for your shadow sides. Your shadow sides deserve just as much love as any other aspects of you. That's what I would say. And I hope that this has been helpful and I'm loving you so much. And for everybody listening to this, I'm sending out a blast of unconditional love and self-acceptance energy so that as you're listening to this podcast, you will receive that in your current time. I love you. Be well. Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. 
Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven.